because I'm a perfectionist, you know, if I'm not doing it perfectly, I feel like I'm failing and it's one of my weaknesses for sure. And so I had to sort of surrender and let go of these unrealistic expectations I put on myself. And so I think I just learned that I wasn't Wonder Woman. Hi, I'm Nikki Brigger, editor of Marie Claire, and welcome to Finding Fearless with Marie Claire. Camilla Franks is a force in the Australian fashion industry. Since 2004, her label has been renowned for its dazzling designs and loved by women across the globe, including Beyonce, J-Lo, Oprah, just to name a few. But there's more to Camilla's story than star-studded success. Over the past two decades, she's weathered career struggles, grief, breast cancer, and now, like all of us, the global impact of COVID-19. But throughout it all, she's remained a pillar of strength and positivity, and she's the kind of inspiration we all need right now. Hello, Camilla. How are you? Nikki, <laughs> it's so good to actually connect through um, this crazy medium that I'm so terrible at. I think it took us about half an hour to do that, but well done us. <laughs> yes, everyone. What we haven't recorded just then was 20 minutes of uh, trial and error with various different systems, but we got there. Fantastic. <laughs> now tell me, how are you doing? Where, where exactly are you right now? You're, are you in at home in Sydney or where are you? Yeah, so JP and I made the call to stay in Sydney. Uh, his family's back in Wales, so it's a bit of a challenging one for us right now, working out what to do. But Australia, there's no better place to be during this coronavirus than in Australia, I think. I think we're ha handling it way better than the UK and the USA. So I'm sitting here in my cosy little library room in Wallara, and this is my little sacred space where I do my little meditation and yoga. So I thought it would be the perfect place for you and I to reconnect. And chat, can I tell you, it looks very zen there because I was expecting there to be loud noises from Luna running around in the background. Who's looking after oh, her right now? I know JP's upstairs with her all cuddled in bed. He's doing his, so he's sort of juggling, you know. Uh, but it's so beautiful actually just being at home with the girl. You know, I think there's lots of things that in life, big, challenging, scary moments that kind of, you know, force you into a new way of being. And for me, there's so much beauty in this journey. I think the last time we spoke was when I just battled the cancer chapter and, there was lots of lessons learnt there and, and now with this, it's like, I don't know, just stripping everything back to its most raw and authentic and simple, you know, without discounting there's some really crappy things going on but there is some beauty in it. Like I just love being around my girl and my man and not racing from, you know, I live a really crazy, wild and colourful life. So to actually just be still in my own home without so much noise is really um, a bit of a gift. Oh, my God, I couldn't agree more. I mean, but are you having your daily Zoom meetings with everybody and still catching up? Um, how is it on the business front? Because obviously fashion is, you know, going through a really hard time, as is a lot of industry, let's be honest. Uh, yeah. Also store, stores not being open and clearly the store experience is such a huge thing for Camilla as well. How are you coping from a business perspective? Well, I am so lucky to have an incredible team right now. Uh, my exec team and my full team are like literally we've all, what's really been beautiful, the just uniting and coming together and our key purpose is to keep this business alive and happy and healthy and it's really challenging, it's really hard. We've had to 
you know, put to rest for a short amount of time, our 22 boutiques. We've had to, you know, reduce people's hours and salaries and all of that kind of stuff to keep the businesses alive. Because if we don't keep the business alive, we can't look after everyone's future and livelihoods. And we're responsible for you know, 150 beautiful human beings in this country, you know, and for me, you know, it's a huge responsibility. And then, of course, we've got our beautiful Indian family where we've got a thousand plus there. And so for me, we are working around the clock to all unite, come together, think of new strategies and ways. And what's really quite amazing throughout this whole thing is to see the innovation, to see the passion, to see the loyalty, to see some of the most amazing ideas come out of this and to see how resilient and nimble my team is. Like I knew they were good. I knew they were great, but I didn't know, like they are super great, you know, and I've always said to you, my tribe, you know, I'm the ringmaster, conductor and performer, but I'm only one person. They day to day are the heart and soul of the brand and it's been so touching to see how beautifully everyone's responded to these changes and challenges. And I feel so blessed and grateful that I've headed into this battle with that team because I um, I can imagine what it'd be like for some teams that don't have their operations maybe set up or the right team members around them. You know, it's it's just I'm, I'm a very lucky girl. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You've got such a tight family. I mean, I think that your team of anyone's is incredibly close because I've met, you know, met a lot of them. So I can imagine that that's just the, you know, the nicest thing about it is to be able to come together like that and find new ways, pivot. And there's so many like um, cuddles and tears because I think we've never had to really fight to keep the business alive. We've never had to fight to survive in regards to work. Had to fight to survive last year with the cancer, but this is fighting to keep a business that we are so in love with and so passionate about. And, you know, for us, it's a non-negotiable. You know, our baby's going to be there in 10, 20 years' time. So we are doing everything it takes. And, like, just when we have these small wins each week, like, there are tears, there are belly, belly butterflies, there are goosebumps, there's, like, this sense of just... I don't know. It's just, it's quite amazing. And I think, you know, it's times like this where it becomes a catalyst for a whole new way of being. You know, now we feel like we're students on a whole new kind of work discovery and we're learning new things and we're evolving and we're developing. And I'm just super proud. I suppose with Corona coming on the scene, you know, as a cancer survivor, you would have been much more on high alert. Would that be right to say? Nope. I <laughs> I literally and I, I don't know whether it's irresponsible of me but I I just I just felt like if I get stressed stress breeds um the negative hormones in my body it breeds the stress hormones and that's not healthy for me. So I've actually been quite relaxed about it. Um and I've sort of learned that as human beings, we've got this whole idea of wanting to control and manipulate our life to fit into exactly how it should be. And if cancer taught me one thing, we actually have zero control. And it's about learning how to swim with the tides and deal with the card that you get dealt. And I don't know, for me, I just was like, okay, this has hit us. And instead of freaking out, I just learned 
I think the cancer story learnt me how to surrender and let go and work out what the opportunities are in the circumstance rather than trying to fight it. Because I think when you fight it, your battlefield becomes like a battlefield. And, and I think by surrendering and let, letting go, your battlefield becomes a bit more peaceful. And I think you're able just to focus of being in the now rather than freaking out what's going to happen in the future and what I could have done differently. It doesn't serve you. And and how are you actually feeling at the moment? I feel really good. We went through the cancer, we went through the treatment, we went through the mastectomy, I did my healing and it's incredible to see this these bodies that we're giving given, you know, like I don't think I realized how I, I appreciate how appreciative I should should have been of this body that I've been gifted with because to see her regrow and regenerate and reboot and get her strength back is quite amazing and my yoga practice like there were days in yoga that I could hardly even make it to the mat but made sure I did it and then just seeing myself retrain my muscles around my mastectomy and seeing myself retrain my muscles around you know like a lot can happen to your body through mastectomy and giving birth as all you mummies out there know you know like so you kind of got to retrain it and now I'm doing things that I probably couldn't have done pre-surgery and pre-pregnancy and I think it's because I've learned how to hold my mind I guess like have a bit more control over my mind because you know a lot of the times when you're you're doing things that are uncomfortable in the body with yoga poses it's all the mind it's like if you go for a jog you're going I don't want to do this I don't want to do this I don't it's all in the mind so I've learned how to control my negative Nancy and keep her into positive penny mode I guess and so my body's really starting to get strong and resilient again and you know I've still got to look at getting the ovaries and the fallopian tubes up. Did did the doctors want you to be clear in some respects or strong enough to be able to handle that because that's a big surgery as well? Yeah, they said to just sort of treat each chapter as one thing, otherwise it becomes too overwhelming. Um, So you deal with the treatment, then the mastectomy, and then you work out a timeline on the ovaries and the fallopian tubes. And for me, it's also about considering whether I want to have another baby or not. And you know, my my husband's in Mars right now. I'm in Venus because <laughs> I'm wanting another baby. He's not. So, JP, if you're listening right now, it's gone live and we are doing this. Um, anyway, so. Um, you heard it first. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm desperate to have another one. And so for me, I haven't quite come to a healthy kind of thing in my head to let go of that part of my future. So I'm just sort of, I don't know, we're just sort of working our way through that and seeing, it, you know, and also I went through uh, menopause. I was forced into sort of a false menopause during chemo and it was I was told that, you know, my girly bits would never come back and all of a sudden um, when I get told no, it means, yes, it's going to happen. So I would go into my fallopian tubes and my ovaries every morning and um, do healing on them you know, because I believe in the power of the mind and visualisation became a huge part of my healing tool when I was going through cancer. So I thought, why don't I use the power of the mind again to heal my ovaries? And six months later, you know, it all came flooding back. My estrogen levels are spiked. We've got eggs in the ovary. We are ready to cook, baby. Amazing, Camilla. Yeah, it was a huge win. So I, I feel like I'm ready. Therefore, you owe it to your ovaries to give them one more go. Well, that's what I reckon, JP. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to give him a call after this. I know. I know. <laughs> and replay it. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Well, you know what, we're all willing willing for that to happen. That's for sure. And there's so but many I, amazing I alternatives have- now. Like there's a few of my friends that sort of had surrogates. And so I'm looking at all the different options at the moment. Well, exactly. There are so many different options. That's the thing. So, mm. yes, but if you want it to happen, I know it's going to happen. That's for sure. Nothing's ever stopped you. Now, if we go back in time to the beginning, yep. to the, yep. well, I'm not talking the beginning of time. I'm talking to the beginning of Camilla, Camilla the brand. You obviously achieved some huge milestones in that time, and but the success wasn't overnight. Tell us about some of the struggles that you, um, you know, faced over the years and any advice that you'd give people who are listening today. Well, starting right at the beginning, I think, um, you know, it was definitely not at school that I shone. I really struggled at school. You know, you'd never find me in the math room or the science room. I was either in the headmistress's office in trouble or in the art room or on the floorboards dancing. And so for me, it wasn't until I left school that I really started to find my strengths. You know, I don't think children necessarily find their strengths at school. It sometimes comes afterwards. So all the parents out there that get worried about their kids not getting A pluses or Bs, trust me, I was a... I was a D minus girl for many years. (laughs) And I think it's, you know, it's like I had selective attention deficit disorder when it came to like maths or biology or English. I was like, this is just not, I'm not feeling this at all. And then when I left school, I, um, I tragically lost my brother. And when I lost my brother, um, I guess it made me feel responsible for living the life of two and suck the marrow out of this life that I've been gifted with. And I guess that was survivor's guilt. So for me, I just went head on and literally head on to probably the detriment of my own health. Like I worked 24-7. I worked for John Singleton to start off with, worked my way up as a producer, went over to the UK, worked as a TV producer there, got back and went, no, now I want to act. And then I threw myself into the world of acting and that's when I truly started to find my purpose and truth and creative spirit and I had there's a sense of freedom when I when it came to my world of acting and that's sort of how I started. Well, acting was really the platform for the great big, you know, Camilla Fest that you see today because I used to design all my rehearsal gear where, you know, you'd always find me sort of floating through the rehearsal floors and sort of getting involved with developing my costumes for my characters, it was all kind of a build-up. And, you know, I'm thinking I wasn't – getting Academy Award wasn't going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. But I, I loved acting, but I was making no money in it. So all of a sudden I threw myself into a world I knew nothing about, and that was the world of fashion. And it was terrifying and lonely and I was so naive and I think that worked in my favour, you know. I had no business plan. I had no idea about the fashion industry or who anyone was and I invited everyone within the fashion industry um, to come and see my show and I think because I didn't know there were rules within the fashion industry, I didn't know that I was actually breaking them um and people took note you know I had a size you know my size 22 woman who was my more to love you know that wasn't done back there I had a pregnant woman I had a 70 year old grandma beautiful grandmother women of all different ages and shapes and sizes and that stayed true to the philosophy that I have now that every woman has the right to be and feel beautiful no matter what age shape or size so but then you know with that 
you know, pushing industry boundaries, then, you know, I got a lot of backlash from that. And that was hard. What was the backlash? Oh, you know, she hasn't studied fashion design. That's not true fashion. She's a one-hit wonder. And and all that did was fuel my fear, I guess. It fueled fueled me and it made me want to you know, prove them wrong. And, and I'm a bit of a fighter. And so for me, I was like, I'm going to throw myself into this world and watch out kids, you know, so, you know, instead of going to fashion school, you know, I went and just lived in India and worked with the artisans there and learned from the best in the world about color palettes, about beading, about embroidery, about textiles. And that's how I learned to design. Um, And that's why my handwriting is very different to a lot of designers out there because I didn't go to fashion school. I don't know the rules. I don't even want to know the rules. And I, um, I, I've i never followed trends or tried to conform to what a fashion designer is meant to be. And I couldn't even if you tried. And I think my community of women that buy my brand resonate with that. They, they When I speak to them about their stories, they've walked their own path, their own unique path. They've also had a lot of backlash. They've got a lot of warrior stripes as well, and war stripes, I should say. And um, they resonate with my vulnerability and my authenticity and my sometimes um, my stuff ups and my pains and my, you know. Mm, The journey as well. I mean, you've always been a bit of a fighter. Has that been something that you've had all your life since you were a kid? I think I've always been stubborn. Um, (laughs) But I don't know if I've always been a fighter. I think I... um, I have a huge innate fear of failure uh, and that's what drove my probably the success of my brand for so long. But in regards to strength, I don't know. I I love that Brene Brown saying that courage is not without fear but the willingness just to show up no matter how you feel inside, it changes you and makes you that little bit stronger and braver each side. Like I'm really a big teddy bear and I – and I'm like every other person out there. I feel fear. I feel sadness. I feel vulnerable. I feel not good enough. But I've just learned that if I put myself out there and I put my courage face on, I don't know, it changes you and makes you that little bit stronger and braver. So over time, I probably lay it on some strength. But deep down, I, I think as designers, you need to be vulnerable. You know, I think uh, if you're not, then... I don't know, how do you connect with your audience? You've got to have a sense of vulnerability. Mm, absolutely, and empathy as well. Because uh, you've been I, a I mean, quarter of women all around the world because you've also, you know, you've also got programs that you've created to empower women in third world countries, et cetera. I mean, was that something that you always wanted to do or obviously came from your travels? Look, I definitely witnessed a lot of things that were horrific to witness when it came to women um, in India and Africa. Uh, But my vision for the brand stretches far beyond the walls of fashion. You know, I don't want to die with a gravestone saying she made great caftans. You know, like there's bigger purpose in life. Like I love designing and I know I'm good at it and it brings me joy and it brings me happiness. But I believe, you know, every company should have social responsibility and if they don't they tend to lack a bit of heart and my team and I are so proactive about working with different communities like if we're working you know in Australia we worked with the Walu community and the Indigenous community Um, in India obviously we started the butterfly effect 
I believe that everyone should feel empowered and free and they should feel joy. And empowerment for us starts with education. And these women in India, this young community of girls, had never been educated with what their rights were. And so far, we've sent over 400 girls back to school. We've sent 400 of them have said no to childhood marriage. Like a lot of these girls are married off at 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. We have no concept of what that feels like, right? And so now to know that these girls, they're going to become powerful agents of change for future generations of women. Like they will teach their sisters, their sisters will teach their, you know, mothers or granddaughters or whatever it is. And it becomes a domino effect. So for me, we're really passionate about that, you know, um, and, you know, our vision for the company, no matter what we do, is to awaken the adventurous heart that resides in all of us because we believe everyone has the right to feel freedom and joy. And that should be a non-negotiable. So two years ago when you had Luna, how yeah. did motherhood change you? Was it instant? I think I was in a bit of a daze after I'd had the 24-hour labour and I think it took me a while to sort of come out of that, like, yeah, it was a bubble of, you know, you just completely exhausted and overwhelmed. And motherhood has changed me for the better. I am more grounded I'm more in the present I am more connected I have more empathy and Luna has made me I think when you're responsible for carving out a child's future and character there's a huge sense of responsibility so you therefore you want to be the best version of yourself to make sure they become beautiful happy healthy young human beings it's our responsibility and a lot of the time some of the the techniques our parents or grandparents have taught us are wrong.com and it's for us to re up to us to reparent ourselves so we parent them in a really healthy way so um luna has sort of turned a light on that for me and she's also made me want to fight a hell of a lot harder for the human rights for women you know um while um we say women rule the world. I don't think we're 100% there yet. And while I don't expect Luna to be the next prime minister, I love her ability to be able to do so. And um, so she's brought that fierce lioness out in me that I really, it was there, but it's tenfold now. Mm. Well, and also because you're responsible. You feel almost responsible for that generation, don't you? That's a thing. Totally. And, so, and a few months later, obviously, you know, as we know that you found um, a lump in your breast when you were breastfeeding or, and you were told constantly that it was mastitis. Is that yep. right? How did that affect you? And also what were the key learnings and takeaways do you think that you sort of discovered about yourself at that time? Or is it a blur you'd rather forget? <laughs> Look, no, 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 it's, it's definitely not a blur. Um, I, I will never forget that day. I will never forget waiting to head to the doctors and getting... Um, because they wouldn't tell me over the phone. Oh, I would have been terrified. You know that thing where you say, can you tell me on the phone? And they're like, no, you no. just know. And they, I had to wait for like an hour and a half. And I remember being with my assistant, my be beautiful assistant Tamara at the time, and she held my hand and I was shaking like a leaf. And we walked in there because JP had just hopped on a plane back to Wales. And, um, and when she gave me those words, you've got stage three breast cancer, Life as I knew it came crushing down and the terror and fear and sadness, um, 
all rolled into one was something that was also like an out-of-body experience and something that is very hard to describe unless your mortality is being questioned. And when your mortality is being questioned, when you've just given birth to a, a little girl, you just, it was a non-negotiable for me. I had to beat this devil you know, that was cancer and um, all of a sudden I shifted into first gear and, and I decided I had to become the CEO of my own body because when I when I heard stage three breast cancer chemo, all of a sudden I just thought about death. You know, I didn't know whether I was going to live or was going to die and and when I related chemo, when, when my auntie, she didn't pass away from breast cancer, she passed away from the wrong chemo program and treatment program so for me I had a really negative relationship with chemo and so for me I decided I needed to have control over what this body and mind needed so I literally researched everything and went full steam ahead I, I met with quite a few surgeons oncologists and it was weeks before I was comfortable with my treatment plan and so for anyone going through that whole cancer thing that's listening to this, do not just go back to your gut instinct and work out what's right for you because as human beings, we're all individual. Nikki, you're different to me. I'm different to you. My auntie was different to me. Our treatment program shouldn't all be the same, you know, and so it was really important for me to choose the right treatment plan and choose the right um, surgeons and, you know, I became an absolute nightmare, I guess, asking them five billion questions. But I'm not too sure if I'd be sitting here today talking to you if I didn't. So that was a huge lesson for me and I think cancer was the catalyst for me to become a student on a whole new self-discovery and I have now put that into my day-to-day -day life and, you know, um, there's an amazing documentary called Heal. And if you haven't heard of it, guys, watch it. Uh, it teaches you the, the power of the mind and how you can heal your own body. And with that, you know, I'd go into my, you know, creative visualization became a big part of my healing program. I'd go into my tumor every morning and heal my tumor. So if you're out there struggling with some kind of pain or fear or anxiety, go into that place and explore it. You know, it's quite amazing as human beings, we have the power to heal ourselves. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. Well, you've done it a couple of times now by the sounds of it. So it's incredible. <laughs> and so what do you think um, surprised, what surprised yourself the most about, you know, who you were as a person going through all of that? Um, I thought at the beginning, I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to get through this? Motherhood, chemo, treatment, running a business, all of it. And I just think, you know, we don't know what our limits are until we're for forced to explore them. And I realised how much more I was capable of, I guess, and how resilient the body and mind are, even in the most trialling times. And I also learnt that I wasn't super woman and I wasn't Wonder Woman you know I might I lost my cape many a times I um at first I felt like I was epically failing I couldn't do it all perfectly yeah because I'm a perfectionist you know if I'm not doing it perfectly I feel like I'm failing and it's one of my weaknesses for sure and so I had to sort of surrender and let go of these unrealistic expectations I put on myself and so I um I allowed myself to sort of, you know, surrender to my tribe helping me more. I, you know, my man helping me more and and 
being okay with the fact that I had to be in hospital for times and couldn't be with Luna and and forgiving myself for that. Um, so, yeah, just I think I just learnt that I wasn't Wonder Woman. <laughs> well, I was going to say that you've called yourself a bohemian control freak. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> Yin and yang. Um, so what do you love most about sort of being a career woman and also the helm of such a successful brand? I think it's community. Like after spending time in Africa, it solidified the importance of belonging. It solidified the importance of community, connection and love. It's how we can present our most perfectly imperfect self to the world and feel like we're accepted in it with warts and all. And so for me, I love turning up to my office because I'm surrounded with people that allow me to be authentically me without having to put on a mask. I think for years I put on a mask because I thought that's what people wanted from me. And then the more vulnerable and authentic um, I became, the more people connected with me. And so um, my team allow me to be that person. Um, and, and all her shades and the other thing I love about it is I literally like I can feel the endorphins running through my body when I'm designing I literally it's my happy place and it's my playground it's for me to you know get my creative on and and just get lost in that world and you know for some people it might be finance and some people it might be legal and for me it's just designing I love designing and um yeah I, for me it doesn't feel like a job yeah it's that grassroots sort of creative process really isn't it um yeah such an inspiration to women across Australia particularly as you say you know the tribe or I call it I call it the Camilla Army so who inspires you oh my god I've got so many people that inspire me but I'm, I'm just looking across I'm in my library right now and I've got Frida Kahlo looking straight at me you know like it's some people that aren't even alive anymore but Frida Kahlo she was fearless like she she you know it's very easy to hide your fear and your ugly bits and everything but she literally celebrated that on canvas that was part of her healing so for me I I think that was very brave and courageous to be able to do that so Frida Kahlo um Luna and JP you know inspire me because they um they they love me for exactly who I am you know and yes. that's a very who rare thing like, who's she like at the moment because you know at two their little quirks come out <laughs> She is a real mixture of the two of us. It's it's bizarre. Like one when she was first born, she was looked identical to me and acted like me. Then it, she turned straight into JP, and now she's a real fusion. She's cheeky. She's stubborn. She's creative. She's playful. Um, she knows exactly what she wants, and when she wants it, she's because JP and I are very similar. Right. Right, so no wonder it's a fusion, which I understand. And you were planning to get married to JP this year, is that right? Yeah, so poor JP, I don't know what's going to happen. So first I got pregnant, then I got cancer, then I needed a year of rest and recuperation and now it's like we go to go, yep, let's go do this and um, the coronavirus hit. So do you know what it actually but also it doesn't really matter Nikki like we are so married in the heart you know what I mean like we've got a beautiful girl we've loved each other for over 20 years and we're connected 
Yeah. Plus, you might have another baby that you need to create too. Exactly, Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) Wedding be damned for now. You've got other things on your plate. A lot more more important, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could always be a pregnant bride anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much and thank you for sharing your story. You're always such an inspiration to everybody, myself included. And I think I need a bit of that at the moment. We've all been isolated. Yeah. We've been isolated for five weeks and I'm fucking bored. I'm yeah, bored. I know, I know, I know. Like you said before, I mean, it is it is so nice to have that time to to just completely stop and be still and, you know, take stock a bit. But now I'm a bit like getting itchy. <laughs> yeah. yeah also, but then there may be just shift things up a bit like do something that you don't usually do like whether it's I don't know like at the moment I've collected all these bones from the countryside like ages ago I'm like I'm going to paint them or I'm going to paint easter eggs with my child or I'm going to play the tambourine or I'm going to play the harmonica really badly but like maybe just shift it up and also exercise for me um has been a savior and the other thing that's been a savior is being really playful so on my social because we've had to not do any of my campaigns and all of a sudden I got given the challenge to shoot all the content for the collection so I got I was a bit intimidating I was like oh god what am I going to do in the house like what have I got around the house and so all of a sudden I thought let's just create characters so I've come up with um domestic Deborah who loves to get dressed up and like um do the vacuuming and the dusting and the cooking and the ironing and so and then next week I'm going to launch physical Phoebe she sort of is a bit Olivia Newton-John with the leotard and the tights and everything so you know just have a bit of fun well thanks so much and thanks for bearing us with the uh, with us with the uh, technology Who doesn't love Camilla? She's not only one of the warmest people in the Australian fashion industry, she's also a total inspiration. I always walk away from chatting with her thinking I can conquer the world, so I hope you felt the same way. So thanks so much for listening today. Please rate and review, and don't forget to subscribe to Finding Feelers with Murray Claire so you don't miss an episode. We'll catch you next time.